and good morning, everyone. How are we feeling this morning? Are we ready? You're energized. You guys must have had coffee this morning, is what i got to say. Uh, if I've not met you, my name is Matt Powers. I'm honored to be able to hang out with you guys today. As you heard Pastor Brandon Doss say, we are in our final week of our series, uh, Because He Lives. It's just been such a, a great series over the last three weeks, uh, coming off of Easter, because Easter was such a great holiday. You know, it's the Super Bowl for church. It's, it's Sunday at the Masters. Churches get all fired up for Easter. But the thing is, there's a lot more to it than just Easter Sunday. There's a lot more that happens after that. And that's really what this whole series has been about, that for a lot of us, we, we go to Easter and we get the nice new clothes. We go have lunch with the family members we don't necessarily like and we only see on those holidays. We do the Easter egg hunts. We eat the chocolate bunnies. And it was great and it was awesome. That's fantastic. And then we wake up the next morning, we go to work, and we say, okay, well, we'll do that again maybe next year instead. And that's typically how we treat Easter. But there's a lot more to it than that. So if you want to go ahead and pull out your notes inside of your worship guide, if you're a digital note taker, for those of you watching online, the notes are right there for you. Because I'm going to say probably some really dumb things today. And you remember most of what you write down, but I believe the Lord's going to say something to every single one of us right where we need it today. And we want to make sure we take that little nugget for us this week. So the theme verse we're using for this whole series comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, this means anyone, we're going to pause right there. Y'all circle that, those stars next to it, because that's great news. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That means all of us. It's there for everybody. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And that's wonderful news. If you're anything like me, the old life wasn't so awesome all the time. Truth is, the old life, I'm not necessarily proud of all the decisions that I made. There's some shame, there's some guilt, there's some hurt, there's mistakes, there's people that I hurt, I hurt myself. It's just not an awesome time, things that I may like to forget. But because of Jesus, because of Easter, because he lives, that old life is gone and a brand new life has begun. In week one of this series, we titled it, Now What?, because that's really how we act a lot of times, not just towards Easter, but anytime something awesome happens in our lives or we experience something great, we've had it, it's wonderful, we have this adrenaline rush and we just stand there like, well, what, what do I do now? I don't know. What am I supposed to do? That was cool, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. In week one, we talked about those next steps to actually take. We, we take a call to action. There are things to do because Jesus was raised from the dead and because he lives. And we talked about all that in week one. Last week, we titled the message, All Things New. That because Jesus lives, because he went to the cross, he died for every, son, uh, every one of us, he was resurrected for the dead, everything's brand new. Going back to our theme verse, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. All things are new. A new faith, a new focus, a new future for every single one of us was just absolutely amazing. We're going to wrap up the series today with another reason, because he lives. And there's a story of a Sunday school teacher who was with a bunch of little kids, and she asked them, she said, listen, if I sell my house, and I sell my car, have a yard sale, I get all the money from that, I sell all of my things, and I give it to the church, will I go to heaven? Kids say, no. Said, okay, well, what if I go to the church every single day and I keep everything perfectly neat and clean and it's sparkling every single day for anyone who wants to come? If I do that and give my life to just cleaning the church every day, will I go to heaven then? Kids say, no. She's like, well, what do I have to do to go to heaven? And one kid in the back speaks up and says, you got to be dead. 
And that's funny, but it's true. If we want to go to heaven, well, we got to be dead. So welcome to church this morning. We're all going to die. Someone's thinking, I can't believe I woke up for this this morning. Who is this clown telling me we're going to die? Someone's thinking, we're never coming back to this place again. But just give me the next few minutes. Let's watch what the Lord tries to tell us today. Because the truth is, it's one thing we all have in common. We are all going to die one day. We will all take a final breath on this planet at some point in time. We don't know when it's going to be. Could happen later today, this week, next week, a month from now, 50 years from now. We have no clue when that may happen. But because he lives, and it's the title of our message today, death is defeated. And that's good news for every single one of us. Because Jesus lives, death is defeated. And there's something about death. When we experience death in our lives, there's nothing quite like the impact that has on us. And we have this overwhelming sense of loneliness and sadness and hopelessness. We're scared. We feel empty. We just don't know what to do. There's a sobering moment about the finality of mortality. It just is. But we all have to deal with it. We all have to experience it. But you see, God never intended us to actually experience death. That happened because sin entered into the world. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Death is his design. He loves it. It's what he feeds on. But because Jesus lives and we have the miracle of Easter, death is defeated. And that's fantastic news for every single one of us. So as we walk through the next few minutes together, we're going to talk through some things today about eternity. And I want us to think to ourselves, what does that look like for us? What's our perception of eternity? What does that mean for me? Does it mean for my wife, for my kids, my family members, my friends, my coworkers. What's eternity mean to me and every single person that I love? So we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to speak to us specifically this morning before we dive in. Father, we love you. God, we're thankful for today. We're just thankful for these moments to gather together. We never want to take these lightly. And God, I just want to pray over every single one of us. God, we know that every, everybody's walking through something, some heavier than others, some things we're struggling with, some things we're walking through, we're working through, some things we're trying to work through with other people, some not a single soul knows about it. And God, I just pray that you'll speak to us exactly where we need it, that whenever we walk out of these doors today, we'll be better than we walked in, that we'll have something this week, some encouragement, some hope, some faith in what you're able to do just in our circumstance today, God. And we'll give you all the credit for all you're doing and all you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. So number one, the first thing we have to understand, to defeat death, we have to know heaven is a possibility. That's great. Heaven is a possibility. Or as Lloyd Christmas would say, you're saying there's a chance. Y'all need to watch Dumb and Dumber. I don't know what's the matter with you guys. But there's a chance. Heaven's possible. It's a possibility for, if you go back to our theme verse, anyone. Everyone has the possibility at heaven. Now, heaven is a possibility, but it is no guarantee. And what that means is if heaven is not guaranteed, that means, too, hell is a possibility. The Bible speaks pretty clearly on this, that really, whenever we have our final moment here on earth, there's one of two ways we can go. 
Heaven and hell, they are both possibilities for every single one of us. And the truth is, we all really desire heaven. I mean, it sounds awesome. We've heard descriptions of it. It's called paradise. We all love the idea of going to heaven. We love the idea of having something that is bigger than what we are, believing in something bigger than what we can control. And heaven is incredible. It's the most inclusive place in the world. Why? Because it's available and a possibility for everyone. We're going to start in John chapter 14, verse 5 through 7. And Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and he's beginning to tell them about some things that are going to happen. And he says just before verse 5, he says, you know where I'm going. And we pick up right there in verse 5. It says, no, we don't. This is Thomas. You know, poor Thomas gets a bad rap. He does one thing, and he's known as doubting Thomas forever. But God, Jesus tells him, he's like, you know where I'm going. Thomas just straight up, no, we don't. Like, we have no clue where you're going. So how can we know the way? Now, I believe that the disciples are probably a lot like us, and they're looking at, at that situation. And when Thomas asked this question, like, oh, my goodness, thank the Lord, because I most certainly didn't want to ask the question, because we, too, have no clue what you're talking about right now, Jesus. And all of us can relate to this. If we've ever been around somebody who's telling us about something, or maybe we're in a meeting or a presentation for a big project going on at work, and Whoever is presenting is trying to tell us about the things that are going to happen, the steps we need to take, all the tasks, who has what job. A lot of times we're sitting there thinking, I have no clue what this guy is telling me right now. But I don't want to be the bozo who raises my hand and says, I don't know what's going on. And sometimes, luckily, there is someone who's brave enough to say, tell me like I'm five because I don't get what's going on right now. And you're thinking, thank goodness someone spoke up and said something. But Jesus is clear in verse 6. He tells them, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen them. Jesus is really clear that he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. That ain't no one getting into heaven except through Jesus. Now, anyone who's ever been to a funeral before, I can speak for myself. I think all of us can relate to this. I've never been to a funeral where that person did not get into heaven. I never walked in and someone said, they didn't make it. No way. But whenever you go to a funeral, it's always, they got into heaven. I've heard funerals preach people into heaven and never mention the name of Jesus. Heaven is desired by every one of us. Ecclesiastes tells us that it's a desire in our heart. We can't see the whole scope of God. We cannot even begin to understand it. But it's in our human hearts. There's this desire for heaven. In fact, studies show that more people believe in heaven than actually believe in God. There was a study done not too long ago that showed 72% of all Americans believe that they are going to heaven. The overarching thought was, well... Heaven is a place where people who do good things get an eternal reward. Good people don't go to heaven, y'all. They don't. Good can't get you to heaven. It just doesn't. Generosity won't get you to heaven. Happiness won't get you there. A religion, a certain sermon doesn't get you into heaven. A Bible study doesn't get you to heaven. Small groups don't get you there. Church attendance won't get you into heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Jesus, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. 
No one gets to heaven except through me. Jesus says it pretty clearly. Jesus gets you to heaven. That's why he went to the cross for our sins for every single one of us. And it's our repentance of our sins, of death. That's essentially what it was. Sin separates us from God. So Jesus took every bit of that. It's our repentance. It's saying that old life kind of stunk. I'm going to go with Jesus over here instead. And he went to the cross and sacrificed and saved us. It's obeying Jesus that builds that relationship to where we get to heaven. It's a choice we all have to make. I have heaven. I have hell. I have a choice I have to make. Deuteronomy chapter 30 puts this beautifully. God says, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. So now I'm calling on all of heaven and all of earth to witness you and your decision. And he goes on to say, so choose life. Oh, you got a choice. You can choose life. You can choose death. It's up to you, whatever you think was best, whatever you'd like to do. But I am begging you, choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So we have a choice. We're going to choose life or we're going to choose death. I don't know about you, but death being defeated sounds pretty good to me. I like to win. I'm a competitive guy. I know how the story ends. Jesus does win at the end, even when it may not look like it sometimes. He comes back late in the fourth quarter. He gets it. So what's it going to be? Listen, I'm competitive, okay? It's one of the reasons that I don't play slow-pitch church softball anymore, man. A little too competitive for it, okay? I want the other team to question why they even exist by the time we're done playing them. If you want to see a true depiction of church, don't ever go to church league softball. You won't see it there. But I love to win, but I hate losing probably even more than I want to win. And that doesn't really make sense, but it's true. Love winning. Why? Because winning feels good. It's why we watch sports. It's why when our teams don't, go do, don't do good, we're punching TVs and we're losing our minds. Because we like the feeling of winning. Jesus wins. Death doesn't. What do we want to choose? Just the other night, we were driving home from the baseball park and, and dinner. And like I said, I'm, I'm competitive. Our kids, they're they saying something about wanting to get home. I was like, oh, we'll be home in seven and a half minutes. And bam, that just started something. They looked at the clock, said it's 8.12. I was like, all right, so 8.19. I said, seven and a half. Let's give it 8.20. We'll be home by 8.20. And we're watching that clock, focused solely on the clock. And me being the competitive person I am, I'm telling you, my heart rate was up. I was beginning to sweat. People are driving slow. I may have exceeded the speed limit when I shouldn't have. I may have gone through a red light when it had already turned red. But you know what? I'm competitive. And I like to win. And they were given to, oh, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. We're not. I said, oh, we're going to make it. And sure enough, we pulled in the driveway at 8.20 p.m. And I won again. And that feels good. Because I like to win. Y'all, we all like to win. So when it comes to our eternity, do we want to win or do we want to lose? I think that's a real question to ask every single one of us. It's a decision to make. And our decisions determine our destination. The decisions you make today will determine your final destination. Fact is, we spend a lot more time on earth planning for our funeral than we're planning for what goes on beyond that. We do. We're way more concerned with that than our eternity. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. 
The only way to heaven is through Jesus and faith in Jesus. Heaven is a true possibility for every one of us. The second thing we need to know is heaven is a place. It's an actual, real deal place. It's not an abstract thought. It's not a state of mind. It's not some sort of fairy tale. Heaven is an actual place that's described in the Bible. And that's great news. Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 2, he says, There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? In other words, Jesus is saying, I told you there's this place. Like, there's more than enough room for every single one of you jokers. Would I have lied to you about this? No. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Meaning this. That what we do here on earth, the place where we stand right now, what we're so consumed with, all the stuff that goes on, grand scheme of things does not matter at all because there's somewhere greater on the line. Eternity is on the line, and we love the idea of heaven. We use it day to day. We'll eat something and say, oh, my gosh, that was heaven. My wife did this yesterday. She ate some vanilla wafers with Metters Farms chocolate peanut butter, and she's like, that is heaven. If you haven't had that, you guys are missing out. We'll say things like, this place is heaven on earth. Filled with dreams when, when he's having a catch with his dad. What's he say? Is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. We all have this depiction of what heaven is supposed to look like. Our safe space, our comfortable place, what it's going to be. For me, Fenway Park's a little slice of heaven. There's just something about that place, man. My picture of heaven, there's a Fenway Park there. They're playing baseball every day, and the Red Sox are beating the Yankees every single time. It just is. I mean, there's something about that place. Just walking around the stadium, walking in, there's just something that overcomes me when I'm there. It's the sights. It's, man, it's seeing the green monster, seeing the fans, seeing the players get ready. The grass is green, and it's perfect. The, the lines on the field, the dirt, every single grain of dirt is perfect. The smells, the hot dogs, the food, the noise of the fans. Man, there's just something amazing that happens at Fenway Park. The way the fans react to things that happen, the people, the PA announcer, a group of 35,000 people getting together in the eighth inning and singing Sweet Caroline. There's just something about it. And it's great. It just makes you feel safe. I think all of us have that place. For some, it may be the beach. could be the mountains. could be the city. could be an amusement park. could be chaotic. could be quiet. It could just be at home, under a blanket, reading a book, watching a movie. But all of us have this place of what we believe paradise is supposed to be like. And we can all go to that happy, joyful place. Now, take that, multiply it times a billion, and you still haven't quite reached what heaven it's supposed to be. And it's right there. It's like just on the other side. When you think of a baby in a womb before they are born, there's a whole world just on the other side, and they have no clue of what it's really going to be like. They're used to their little space, and that's it. But it's just on the other side. A whole world of sight and sounds and colors and smells and just all sorts of things just beyond. It's all right there. It's an actual, literal place that's just not all that far away. The Bible describes this quite well. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered the thought of man of how incredible it truly is. But it's been revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. There's a desire in us. But y'all, we don't have a clue of how amazing it truly is. If you go to Revelation chapter 21, there's a little description of it that's just incredible. I'll read a little bit of that. It says, Then I saw new heaven and new earth. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Why do they use that? Because we are the bride of Christ and he's coming back to get us. I heard a loud shout from the throne. Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live there with them. They will be his people. God himself will be there. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. He says, look, I'm making everything brand new. And all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. I will be their God and they will be my children. That sounds something like we can't even comprehend. No pain, no hurt, no sorrow, no death, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more fear, no more hate, no more... It's all gone. It's gone. It's a real place. And we get new bodies too, which is kind of awesome. <laughs> Bible tells us, for we know that when we leave this earthly tent, we live, it's taken down. That is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not human hands. Heaven is the absence of everything bad, painful, and evil and it's full of goodness and glory and honor and holiness. That's heaven, a brand new, perfectly made body. Sounds great. Y'all, my back's killing me. Hurts all the time. My knees, they hurt. My shoulder, my elbow from throwing baseball. Y'all, I hurt. I think all of us probably hurt. Tough to get out of bed some days. A brand new, perfect body with no Pain. Hello, 62220 with chiseled abs and not working out. <laughs> Love it. No pain. No hurt. No evil. No more hate. No more division. None of that. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. A place. A place that is greater than we could ever even imagine. And he's doing it just for us, that it is right there for our reach. It's a possibility for every single one of us. And the fact that heaven is a place and it's a possibility means, number three, heaven is a promise. It's a promise from God. And he's much better than we are. We break promises all the time. We'll say something just to get out of a situation. We'll say something to make a promise knowing full well it will never actually happen. God doesn't do that. If you know anything about God, he does not break his promises. John 14, 3 says, when everything is ready, this is Jesus, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to prepare a place for you, just for you, specifically for you. It's not ready yet, but I promise I'm going to come back and get you. Easter was the proof of his promise. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. And now he has gone to prepare a place for every single one of us. Eternity 
is a promise. It's either heaven or hell, but it's a promise for every single one of us. John 3.16, probably the most quoted, most memorized, most popular scripture ever. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Why? So anyone who will believe in him won't perish, but what? Has eternal life. He promises. He says, all you got to do is believe. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Believe. I came so you could have eternal life. John 5, 24, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. He's saying it over and over and over. How often does he have to say it to just let us know, hey, I'm the way to get to heaven. I'm giving you eternal life. Do you want it or not? Because it's right here for the taking. Even has to remind the disciples as Jesus ascends to heaven in Acts chapter 1, the angels say, like, what are you jokers doing right now? Don't you remember he said he's coming back to get you. He will return one day. Why? Because it's the promise that he's going to keep. Listen, as parents, we know we make promises to our children. And we know they never forget those promises ever. No matter what. They never forget. They'll forget that you asked them to do something in five minutes, but they're never going to remember and forget that promise from three weeks ago. I'll make promises to my kids, and I'll come home from work, and they're telling, hey, Dad, remember what you said? Or we wake up in the morning, hey, Dad, remember you said we could have ice cream sundaes for breakfast today? And as their father, I'm there to fulfill those promises to the best I can. And our Heavenly Father, He's no different whatsoever. Except that he's much better at it than we are. It's hard for us to admit, but he's much better at it than we are. He's the same heavenly father. He's more trustworthy than I am. He's a way, way better father than I am. He's way more capable than I am. Heaven is a reality and a possibility for all of us. And it's a promise to every single one of us. But my belief is that as we grow older, and we get stuck in life, we have things that go on. We have completely lost our childlike faith. We forgot these promises. We're not like children anymore. We've completely forgotten what he told us he was going to do. So ask yourself, do I have the trust to believe in these promises again? Do I have trust that heaven is real and it's a possibility? Do I have trust that Jesus is really going to prepare a place? Do I trust that he is really the way, the truth, and the life? Do I trust that if I believe in him, I will have eternal life? Do we? Listen, we have at best 100 years on earth. Some of you may have a few more. A lot of us will be far less than that. But by and large, we have about 100 years on this planet. But heaven is forever. So when we take that in the grand scheme of things, it's about this much of our time on earth compared to what eternity is actually going to be. When I was preparing for this this week, it, it got me. Because if our mortality rate really is 100%, and there's either heaven or hell, why in the world aren't we talking about this? Why in the world is this not the headline every single day? that you're all going to die and you're going to have to spend eternity in heaven or hell. Why are we not worried about it? Why is this not the forefront in our mind in everything that we do? 
not just for ourselves, but our family, our spouse, our kids, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors. Why are we not talking about it? Because we're so concerned with the things that are happening on earth that don't matter. They won't last. We care way too much about what's happening in DC. What's happening on social media? What are the news outlets saying today? We're far too worried with the things that we have no control over. And we spend all of our time worried and angry and bitter because of that, what that one person said about us so many years ago, we can't get rid of it in our hearts and it's killing us inside. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's exactly what's happening. Mortality rates 100%. Why do we not care about this so much? Because we'll do anything to prolong our life here on earth. We'll go to the doctor. We'll work out when we don't want to. We'll try and eat these foods that really don't taste really good, but they say they're healthy for us. We'll take vitamins. We'll take medicines. We'll do whatever we possibly can to extend our life. But we don't care at all what happens once we go. We're not worried about it. It'll work itself out. Listen, our eternal state's determined from the time we're born to the time we breathe our last breath. Somewhere in between there, the decisions that we make determine our eternal state. It's not like we die and we breathe our final breath and have our final moment. We don't go to some jury and plead our case. We don't barter to try to get into heaven. Either our name is in the book of life or it's not. Period. There's nothing more we can do about it when that moment comes just the way that it is. And we hear all the time, well, how can God send a, a good God send people to hell? He doesn't do that. We do. It's our decisions. It's our own sin. It's our own stuff that sends us to hell. No, God sent his son Jesus to earth to save us from hell. That's why Jesus came in the first place. We all see these news stories where, you know, someone fell on railroad tracks, especially large cities and the subway. And oftentimes we just see it happen and a lot of times people are able to get back up on their own. Most of the time people are just kind of pointing and yelling at them. They got their videos out just so they can make sure they can go viral. But occasionally when someone's lying on the tracks unable to do anything, an outside source has to come in and rescue them. If we take an honest assessment of our lives, we've all laid on those tracks. I've been there, you've been there. Some of you are there now. We've all been laying on the tracks. And the judgment and justice and the wrath of God is a freight train heading right to us. We can't do it on our own. We have to have that outside source to come and step in between us and that train. That's what Jesus does. He's that outside source that's saying, I'm going to take every bit of this wrath of God. I'm going to take every bit of your sin. I'm going to be taking everything that's coming. Why? So you can spend eternity with me in heaven. It's a possibility for all of us. And your decisions will determine your destination. So I wanna ask you, what's it gonna be? Right now, where we sit, where we stand, with the decisions we made so far, how we live our life every single day, what's it gonna be? It's a choice that we have to make, choose life or death, choose Jesus or not, choose heaven or hell. The way we live our life, the relationship we have with Jesus is going to determine that. Instead of heaven being a possibility, my prayer is that we'll know that it's more of a certainty than a possibility. If we're asking that question, I really don't know. 
So what is it going to be today? What's it look like for you? As we walk through this message, I asked, what's eternity look like? In your mind, what's the perception? Well, what's it going to be? Maybe you are here and you're like, I, I really don't know. I've lived my life a certain way so far. I, I, I really don't know. Maybe I do need Jesus to step in front of this train because I'm lying on the tracks and I'm tired and I just don't know. If that's you, it starts with a simple relationship. You'd simply say, Father, today I need you. I can't do this. I want to spend eternity with you. So God, today I'm asking for Jesus to save me. That I recognize that you sent him to die on a cross for me. Because I can't take that. I can't take the wrath for my sin. And I recognize Jesus today as the Lord of my life and my Savior. I'm going to make him number one in my life. I'm going to do everything I can from this moment forward to make sure I live a life for you. And Father, for every single one of us, there are friends and family members and people who we haven't even met yet who don't know you. There are people in our lives whose eternity, we don't know which way it's going to go yet. And God, I'm asking as followers of Jesus that you'll give us a chance. Give us opportunity. It's all we're asking for. Give us an opportunity to share the goodness that you have given to us. To show your love and your grace and your mercy when we didn't think it was possible. God, I'm asking for an opportunity this week. For next month. For the next year. Until we do meet you again. God, we're praying for those opportunities to save the world just as you sent Jesus to do. God, whenever you do it, we'll give you all the credit for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give love to Jesus this morning? Come on.